Um, while you were in the loo, I was just telling Marley, I was trying to tell Marley that I really enjoy when <laughs> Marley has a strepsil in his mouth. Uh-huh. I, what I meant to say was that I really enjoy when I hear people suck on something hard. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I know what that just, means. Yeah, I just stopped it there. What I meant was like the sound of a hard boiled sweet in people's mouth. Oh, yeah. Fuck's sake. But I know what. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. okay. We all like sucking all... on things that are hard. We can't lie there. Welcome to the One Great Tick podcast. You are listening to Sharon and Tara. Yeah, so we're letting you in on our conversation as two friends who've noticed that there's a lot of messages that we tend to put out into the world, but they're not necessarily getting received. And I think especially from the perspective of myself as a black woman and from Sharon's perspective as a brown woman. And so through this podcast, we're really taking you in on this journey of self-exploration. We will be discussing topics that are most important and true to us. We'll be sharing some of our life experiences and life situations. And like I said, we want to take you along this journey. So, yeah. My throat (laughs) made a weird noise. We try and be really selective about our language because we want to make sure that we're interrogating our language, interrogating what it is that our language is conveying and we want to be really particular about communicating exactly the right thing in terms of accuracy. We are hoping that our podcast will be kind of a way for us to do that and learn a lot more about ourselves along the way. So you can come along for that. If you hear anything in the background, as I mentioned, Marley has been strep... What are they? Strepsils? Strepsiling himself up and that's because he's oh got gosh. a cough. So if you hear anything, it is Marley, not us. Yeah. Great. Um... So yeah, today's episode, um, I would like to have a bit of a conversation about therapy. And when I say therapy, I mean psychological therapy. So as in psychological talk therapy with a psychotherapist. And a few weeks ago, I shared this quote and then actually Molly was like, actually, I would love to hear an episode on therapy. So this was the quote that I shared just to start us off. So it says, if trauma and pain can echo across generations, then so can love. If abandonment can ripple across time, then so can presence. Um, And yeah, I was thinking about, I started thinking about therapy and I started, because I'm currently in therapy and I've always been a huge advocate for therapy. But then I also started to think about concepts of mental health in my culture. So in Botswana, where I grew up and how that has kind of affected the way that I understand therapy and my approach to therapy and my relationship with therapy as well. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. So I think firstly, the first question that I want to ask is what are, how do people understand mental health and mental ill health in your culture? Poorly. Mm. Um, I think there has been a stigma around mental health in South Asian communities because I think they perceive it as the extremes rather than mm. something that's manageable or something that's everyday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, experiences of depression are seen as such a huge thing or, you know, it's to do with being on medicine or it's to do with like having breakdowns and I I mean that in the genuine sense of the word not a casual sense of the word but then that becomes representative of all mental health and that's how it's seen so I think also I think in South Asian communities it's seen as a temporary thing Mm. it's either that if you have it and it's long term then you are perceived as being crazy and again I do mean that in a derogatory way as in the word is applied in a derogatory way yeah um or it's seen as like well you need to do something to change that or fix it or help it rather than it being a part of who you are that you live with every day 
um, which means things like therapy mm. are they inflate a situation, I think. So it's, it's almost like putting the, these labels on things or even saying it's about mental health it's not taken seriously because it's it has to be an extreme for it to be something real. Yeah. And if it's not, then it's not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think in my culture, to be honest, there isn't I think it's gotten a little bit better, but I think it's still understood poorly. As in mental health is very mental ill health is understood poorly and psychological disorders are understood very poorly. Um I know that there is a lot of stigma around it. There's a lot of stigma around, okay. If you're not mentally well, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. But it's not understood from the perspective of psychological disorders have biological, psychological and environmental causes. It's like the cause is not understood and therefore the the psychological disorder itself is not understood. And I think there's a lot of isolation as in if you do have mental, if you do have psychological disorders, then you're very much excluded. You're very much talked about, you're whispered about, and it's almost like, you know, this person has a problem. Yeah. And I think the only mental disorder, psychological disorder that they truly understand is probably schizophrenia. And like you said, it's like the ex- it has to be extreme for us to properly understand that this is something that needs to be treated. Or for some things like depression, it's like that's... It's almost like, well, just pray. It'll be okay. Yeah. Just go to church. It'll be fine. Um, so because there's a poor understanding of psychological disorders and their causes, um, there's a poor understanding of that these are things that deserve to be treated and that you need you need interventions. You need psychological mm-hmm. interventions, whatever that looks like, sometimes medical interventions. I think there's a lack of understanding around that. And the stigma really silences people, as in it silences people who are living with psychological disorders and like I said it really excludes them and it's almost as if they are not we are not they're not one they're not like us you know I think it has gotten better I'll say that Mm -hmm. I also want to add the fact that obviously I haven't lived at home full-time in four years so things could have progressed and I just don't really understand it that much because I haven't been there to witness it so I don't want to misrepresent I'm speaking from what I know um, from the times that I have been around obviously growing up there um. So yeah, and like I, you said, to your oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, I wasn't uh, sure if you were done. <laughs> no, I was gonna say to your point around like because mental. Actually, we'll get to that. Okay, let's I've, take this I've part. Got something to add. Yeah. Um, just based on when you were talking, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned like the word cause, and I think thinking about my experience of it and my witness of some things as well, it's really it's a really hard thing to understand. I don't know if it's a community thing, but obviously I've grown up just in this community, so yeah. it's all I know. But people find it hard to understand it as just something that is rather than something that was caused. Yeah. So they have to try and find, they were like, this happened and that's when you were like this. Rather than seeing Mm -hmm. something as a trigger to escalate something or something that, I don't know, Like I think either you were talking about it or there's something about how a lot of psychological and uh, mental ill health is with a person from the start and all the possibility or like, there can be large triggers for it, but that doesn't mean it's the cause of it yeah. or the continuous cause. So people, that's what I mean when I say it's really misunderstood in the sense of like, you know, that thing happened years ago. You should mm-hmm. you should be over that. Mm-hmm. You're just now like taking the piss or you're faking it or you... And it's, a, it's really frustrating as someone that then has mental ill health or suffers with something or is going through something mm. because it's... It almost forces you to look at yourself and think about 
like I know I've questioned moments where I'm like, am I just making? Am I genuinely? I yeah. Am I just making, making up? up depressed? Like, is this in my am head? I, yeah, yeah. Am I not depressed? But yeah. actually, I'm just being dramatic or like stuff like that because it's a form of gaslighting, essentially. One hundred percent. But also at times, it's like the frustration that you then punish yourself with, feeling like, what is the cause? And you can get so lost in trying to find a cause yeah. that's like, I, I found a lot more sympathy in myself for myself and a, f- a lot more comfort when I was like this is just it this it is, is it what it's it, there it's yeah. there and that's it like I don't need to find an answer or a cause or a yeah. logical reason for it yeah and it is just I on what you were saying the the thing is obviously these theories are always going to be evolving but the theory behind something like depression for example something like um, low birth weight when you were born mm. can cause depression so mm. you're born and then you know, you might be at risk for depression and then things accumulate over time. You might live in a, you know, socially deprived neighborhood and that ex- that exposes your risk even, even more. And then you might start taking alcohol and drugs at a low, like a young age and that exposes your risk. So it's an accumulation of events. It's not just one thing yeah. and then that's it. That's not how it works. Um, but yeah, on the point of gaslighting, that's such a huge thing because I know that for a long time I was... Because I've struggled with with psychological, never diagnosed, but I was just never a happy child. Like, mm. I wasn't a happy adolescent. I wasn't a happy teenager. I was always sad. I had a lot of, you know, just to put it blunt- bluntly, there was a suicidal attempt on my part. And it was, there was, and I remember the way that I was treated in those situations. It was very much like, you're embarrassing us okay. as a community. You know what I mean? Rather than what's going on. Um, because I remember when that whole situation happened, and I don't mean to put my parents on the spotlight here, but honestly, I d- I think it's okay to talk about it transparently. Um, because I remember when that situation happened, and the reaction from both my parents was anger instead of like mm. instead of compassion, instead of instead of like holding me. Do you know what I mean? And holding space for me. And I was fourteen at this point, so their reaction was anger and and stonewalling, so just avoiding me and. That hurt because I was in a lot of pain. And more than anything, I didn't understand why I was in a lot of pain. I mean, I could pinpoint a few things. But like you said, you don't. sometimes you just don't know like what is happening. And the first person to ask me, like, what is going on? Are you okay? What happened? Was my grandmother. After like two weeks when my mom took me to see her. Mm. Um, and I think that, to be honest, gives quite a good picture of how, you know, mental ill health is treated in our culture. It's very much... You're bringing shame to the family if there is something wrong with you, if you're not happy. You're bringing shame to the family and it's you represent, like your health is a representation of your parents' ability to parent well. And it's like, but those things are completely divorced from themselves sometimes. Like you can be a good parent and your child can still grow up with anxiety. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you've done something wrong. I was going to say when you talk about how it's, I don't know if this is one of your later questions, so we can pause it. But mm. in terms of how it's received, I think in our culture, it it comes back to the idea of like things like for a woman and the role that you play, yeah, marriage, mm. your life is is like centered around that in our in like South Asian culture, and then your worth is centered around that. So with depression, it's received with a lot, or like anything else as well. Which I'm just saying that because of personal experience, it can be received as such fear and worry and concern yeah. for your future because it's like this is this is almost like a mark against your name to make you less desirable to mm. someone because it's something that you will have to they're going to have to deal with or you're going to have to deal with and it's just really interesting that your value and your worth comes back around to your role as a woman to be married exactly and I think that's really interesting how you say it was anger 
Whereas in our culture, I think it's more concern and fear as in, and then that what leads to keeping word? things hushed yeah. and keeping things like, like now I'm, I talk about it quite candidly, whereas before I didn't feel like I could because widespread or, you know, distant family or stuff like that. I just didn't know who know, like who knows things, mm. whether it's people just expecting things to just go away eventually or it's just a response to something that's like happened quite traumatic and yeah. then you just get over it. And it's like actually the the, the hushedness makes things worse. It does. Because you can't then set yourself up in safe environments or, res or like say what your needs are. Yeah. And that's what it's I mean hard. when I say it, it, it really, really silences you. And I think it's so difficult. I mean, in any situation where you have to pretend that everything is okay, it's painful. But it's even more painful when there's a war going on in your head and you just don't feel safe in your own body. And it's like, it's the most uncomfortable thing to not actually say, you know, so, so for us in our culture, because there's such a huge stigma around mental ill health, there's stigma around seeking help too. So it's like, which just silences people further. And of course, you can imagine what that does for suicide rates and mm -hmm. things like that. And I think especially men in our culture, it's like you know, you their, their, their sadness and depression and mental ill health is not taken seriously, especially. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> Hit me with the next one. Next question. That that feels very like weird to just like move on. Just for quiz show. <laughs> yeah, I think because we touched on the whole point of um, obviously now we, we talked about concepts of mental health and now we're moving on to help seeking. So therapy is okay. obviously a way of seeking help. Um, so I guess my question to you is what is your relationship with therapy? Complicated. Mm. Um, I have had therapy at different stages of my life. I think what I've used or wanted from therapy, actually, no, I've been doing a lot of thinking because I've been thinking about going back to therapy, but in a different way and trying to work out what it is I actually want from therapy. Whereas before, I think I just assumed it would fix something mm. or that I needed it because I was in such a desperate situation, emotionally, mentally, all of that. Um, but I actually don't think I took the care to think about therapy as like me having a relationship or me actually seeing it as I'm doing the work on myself or something. So I don't think I had the best relationship with it. At times it did really help because it at least stopped or helped me process things. Mm -hmm. But then I really didn't know. I think it was good in terms of what I didn't know then. But now I'm aware of a lot of the things, but it's more, okay, what do I want to approach therapy with and for what reason yeah. I want to be intentional about it yeah, a bit more so whereas before I think I was so lost that therapy helped provide some clarity but then I think I've had some experiences with some bad therapists or just not finding yeah. the right fit that it it's made me quite anxious about going to therapy because it's I find it really hard to well, I'm on a podcast talking about myself but I find <laughs> it hard to open up from a personal capacity of like genuinely relating things back to how I feel about them or interrogating yeah. that like I can do it myself but I can't voice it always mm -hmm. and like opening myself up or revisiting key moments in my life or even going back and like tracing back things like me having childhood depression and not yeah. really being aware of it and <clears throat> finding that out later and stuff like that I doing that with a new person after a few months of trying to form a trust relationship that I'm being vulnerable, mm. which is something I find difficult anyway, was hard. So I've kind of just abandoned therapy a little bit mm. and I've decided to do some work in like on myself in terms of 
reaching a point of right now I know the intention with therapy mm. so I'm ready to find that and for me that's just now not being ready for it again yeah but I know I want it I'm yeah. just trying to reach a point of like okay I I can trust something and someone new again and I, I'm just scared again I guess like mm. it's it's really hard having to like I think people underestimate how hard it is to just go to therapy firstly admit that you want and need that help yeah but also not just see it as a point of help for myself just see it as more of a consistency yeah kind of like with the gym I don't want to go to the gym where I feel like I've, like I want to look a, a certain way I want to be consistent in a habit that's I feel good for me in many different ways same with therapy that's yeah. how I'd like to treat it yeah I think it's it's a very it's a very complex thing isn't it and like everyone's relationship with therapy is very different and I think back to what you were saying about feeling comfortable talking about things that really really hurt you and going back into the past and really just sitting with yourself that's not easy like that's not easy no matter who you are um because things get brought up to the surface I think my relation with therapy is that so the first time I went to a therapist I was 14 years old so it was after all that stuff with my um suicide attempt which actually I've never told anyone well, other done. Than the, well I've told Eugene obviously but um yeah and a few friends I think oh, seriously well done for speaking about that right yeah. now um but yeah so after that whole thing happened and so my mom said you know what, let's take you to a psychologist so as much as there was a lack of understanding um when it comes to psychological disorders and treatment and stuff like that in our culture my family was always a bit different in that my mom, if there was a problem, it was always, let's consult a psychologist. Like, that was the house mm. I grew up in. And I suppose that's why I have the relationship with therapy that I have now, because that's what I saw growing up. Um, and so she took me to a therapist, and it was a child psychologist, and he asked me to write about how I felt. And I've never been someone, I'm very comfortable talking about my pain. Like, I'm okay with it. Um, it's not easy, but I do it because I'm like, yeah, I, I like, I can do it. Um so I just spilt on the paper and I just talked about all these things and I really got vulnerable. And he asked my parents to leave while I was writing things down. And then he told them to come back in. He said, okay, cool, Tara, are you done? I was like, yeah, I'm done. He read out what I had said to my parents. And he mm-hmm. was like, my conclusion is that Tara is very selfish. I was 14. What 14-year-old isn't all about them? Because that's what you are as a teenager. Do you know what I mean? And he said, my conclusion is that Tara is selfish. And that was literally the end of the consultation. And there was no... That's not what you... Yeah. I did not get any help, literally. Mm. It was it was very much... I think more than anything was for my parents to, to kind of go, you're the problem. Yeah. It's not that you have a problem. It's that you're just selfish. And then kind of move on from it. I was very upset with them. And that was a really negative experience. And it was a horrible experience. And I thought to myself, like... That's literally what inspired me to get into the field of psychology because I was like, there is no way that that is how it's supposed to be done. And if no one is going to help me and no one is going to help me understand why I'm such a sad kid, then at least I want to go out and understand it and I want to learn about it. Um, And that's when I got into it. And then. And so I've sort of been in and out of therapy and. I like how you say that, um, you know, you're trying to like you wanting to find out why you go. Because I think that's really important. I think everyone should sort of sit with themselves and be like, okay, what is your intention behind going? Because I think the common misconception is that therapy is going to solve everything. And that if you go, all your problems are going to go away. That's not necessarily the case. And in fact, a lot of problems might resurface when you go to therapy. And I think that's been 
my experience. So I've always been someone who. <laughs> sorry, it's fine. <laughs> my stomach is rumbling. I'm so sorry. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so I've always been someone who I think I do a lot of processing on my own, and then isn't like I can sit with myself and do the work. And I've always been able to I think anyone who knows me knows I literally wear my heart on my sleeve. Like mm. if you know me for more than a year, you will know about my trauma and all that stuff. Um, so I've always done the work on my own. So I, for me, I go to therapy because I'm like, as much as I can do the work on my own, I can't process. Like I can't. Mm. It takes a village. You know what I mean? I can't process this on my own. I need help. Okay. Um, and I more than anything, I go to therapy to understand, to cultivate understanding. One. And I think now I'm back in therapy. But the reason I'm in therapy and I'm very clear about this is because I want to forgive okay. and I want to move on. And I want to put things to bed. And it's because I just, I want to make peace with things and move on with my life. And I want to stop living. My therapist actually said it. She was like, because she was asking me to describe a few things that happened in my childhood. Because she specializes in childhood and early life trauma. And so she was saying things like, take me back to when you were five. Take me back to this moment. And she, I started crying. And I was just like bawling, like, like heaving, like uncontrollably. And then when we were done at the session, she said, you know, you are 24, almost 25 years old. But the way you're talking and the way you get so emotional, it's like you're stuck at your 14-year-old self. It's like mm. that pain you're feeling, it's as if it happened, it's happening now. And in that moment, I was like, I felt so relieved because for the past four months, I felt so miserable and I've been wondering why. And it's because I'm reliving that day when I was 14 years old and I just keep... I, and I told Eugene this the other day, my boyfriend, and I was like, this is the first time in a long time, the past five days, I've not once thought about the past. And Amazing. that's crazy. That one session with her, and she's really good. Like her process is really good. So I think my relationship with therapy, I think to sum it up, I think I always went with the intention of understanding and I understood. But now I'm like, I want to take it a step further and I want to forgive. I want to let go. I want to move on and I want to be someone who's in the present rather than in the past because... In the present, there is so much pain and my head is becoming, my mind is becoming such a dangerous place to live, you know, because I'm always in the past. And um, and I think I also go to therapy to have space held for me mm -hmm. because I think support language is a huge thing. And I think you can care about someone and be their best friend and be their partner, but that doesn't mean you're holding space for them the right way. And even if they tell you, yeah, this is good, like, it's hard to hold space for someone, especially when they're talking about things like their traumas. You know mm. what I mean? So I think I go there to have someone hold space for me in the right way. Um, and I know for a fact that I will be in and out of therapy for the rest of my life. But what you said about consistency, I don't personally think that therapy should be something that I think that you should go for like two months and then stop. Yeah. I. Yes. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I'm saying that like… Yeah. Um, I think it's, I'm not saying you said that you should go all the time, yeah, yeah. but I think you should go for two months and then stop. And even therapists will tell you like, you have, it's like taking off, take off the training wheels, yeah, yeah. go and see how you feel in the world. And then reframe your intention. Exactly. you need something new. Yeah, that's I what I mean to, by consistency. Yeah, because I went to therapy, because Eugene and I were in couples therapy and then we were also doing individual therapy and this was in February. And from that, I was like, fuck, I'm so, there's so much stuff that yeah. surface. I'm so angry. I'm so sad. I'm so resentful. Let me go back because I need to let go of this and now I'm back. So it's like you you go, you take a break, you figure out what's going on, you figure out what you need to do. Like you said, reframe your intentions and then… Yeah, I think… So 
the reason I want to talk about consistency in terms of reframe and intention together mm. is because I think with myself, when I mean consistency is in, I don't want to see therapy as only firefighting. Mm. So like putting out a fire when it's happening. And I don't mean I want to preempt anything, but I mean, that led me, I think, to have quite, and I've just realized it through talking. And firstly, I just want to say, I'm so happy that your relationship and your stage of therapy at the moment is something you're really happy with and something that's working for you, which is the most important thing. So well yeah, done. Thank you. Um, but I think I've, I've just realized like my harmful pattern with therapy actually ruined my relationship or my perception of therapy yeah. because I always saw it and placed the expectation of it something super bad is happening and I need it fixed yeah because my tendency is to just block and avoid things that I find too because otherwise I find it too overwhelming to let everything in yeah. so I just block and avoid but that led like when I when I've been doing stuff just on my own I've been remembering things and stuff that I had blocked or my brain had blocked and I realized that they're actually things that I I didn't know how to process yeah so I just did like I literally remove the Just memory almost down, yeah. so the fact they're resurfacing in other ways and behaviors mm. is now probably what I would like to go to therapy to accept mm. so I think my issue has been with acceptance and processing of things mm. rather than like and that's why I when I say consistency as in I want to be able to choose therapy I don't want to yes. feel like it's absolutely needed right now as like a like I'm bleeding, I need a plaster. Exactly, and that's it. you don't that, want to be That's bleeding. not, the plaster doesn't heal you. It just is a temporary thing. And I don't want to treat therapy like a plaster. I want to treat it as the healing process. Exactly. It shouldn't just, it's not some, it's not going to put a bandaid over your yeah. problems. And if anything, it's going to expose them. It's going to make you bleed even more before yeah. you're, before you're healed, before you feel better. Exactly. Because I think I had a session on Friday and I think for about four days, I just was not okay. Like I was like, I'm not okay. And then, the sun came up and it's like literally mm. now I literally feel like a whole new person I have therapy tomorrow and I'm prepared for another two days of being like I want to cry like this I don't feel fine and then be okay again so it's like I think on the topic of um whole firefighting I think the reality is that some people do end up in therapy as like please help me I need help and, and okay. I think that's absolutely yeah. okay because sometimes you need to fall to be like I need help and yeah. go and seek it because some people and that works for them. And, and that's, that's 90, needed. yeah. And also 90, 95% of cases, they're going to end up in therapy because they desperately need help rather than, no, I, I just feel like going to therapy. Like that's yeah. not, yeah, that's no, not usually how it happens. I think they return to maintain. So I think most people, they, they go to therapy because they're in crisis and then they might return to therapy to maintain that healing and that health and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I think that's been the case for most people. But then I also think the common misconception is that people who are in therapy are people who are in crisis that's exactly, not always yeah. the case and that's that's something that really kind of annoys me and it rubs me the wrong way because I think we should see therapy as something because I know there's been a few couples um a few couples in my life like who I see I don't like the idea of couple goals but I guess people who you're like I really love your the ethos of your relationship and the way you guys govern and do your your relationship and the way you guys love each other and I've was finding out that they were in couples therapy. And I remember my first first thought being like, oh my God, fuck. Like, does that mean... And then I was like, hold on. They're in, this is why their relationship is healthy because they're in therapy. You know what I mean? Because they go to couples yeah. therapy. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want... 
I hate the fact, I resent the fact that society sees things as like, if you're in therapy, then you're damaged, you have issues, you need fixing. Because it's you projected know. then onto you. It is, it is. And it's like, I think there's a lot of shame around that. Mm-hmm. But I'm always very proud to be like, I'm in therapy or I'm going back to therapy. Even when Eugene and I were in couples therapy, I was very proud to be like, we're in couples therapy. And I think I'm grateful to be surrounded by people who always responded with that's so inspiring but I think that's just the community of people that I've cultivated around me there was not a single person who was like are you okay like everyone was like that is so inspiring especially at your age yeah Yeah. literally that was the response but that's not everyone's response yeah you know I think as well with um with like a relation I've started a sentence and I'm like do I actually have anything to say (laughs) Uh, no, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring it up if I want to. Yeah. I was going to say, I think on the topic of our relationships with therapy, how do you think that some of your cultural views and beliefs about mental health have influenced your relationship with therapy or the way that you understand therapy, whether that's in the past or right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, big question. Because mm. then I'm kind of like... How have they? Because <laughs> right now, I think we we have a lot of conversations yeah. about those things. So I think we weren't always, yeah, we didn't always, always think stage. like this. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Do you have some? Do you know what you want to say? Okay, you go because I'm. I'm. This is the first time I've heard this question. So yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think it's very interesting because, like I said, I've always had a very healthy, like not healthy. I've always been. I've always been someone who's like, let's go to therapy. You know what I mean? Like, to be honest, even when Eugene and I first started dating, one of the things we talked about, I was like, are you someone who would ever go to couples therapy? And I use that as like a litmus test for, is this someone I want to be in a relationship with? Mm -hmm. Because I think that if the answer was no, I would have been like, okay. Because I understand that it's a necessity um, if you want to maintain healthy habits or learn healthy habits or whatever. Or at least that's how I feel. Um, So I think that the only reason I have I have the relationship with, with therapy that I do, the only reason I'm such an advocate for it is because I've been a psychology student for as long as I have been. But I think if I hadn't been, I think I would have internalized a lot of stigma. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I probably would. Because I know when I told my mom that I was in therapy, she was like, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I get that that's the the immediate assumption. So I think I might have that assumption if I hadn't been a psychology student. So I think it's difficult for me to think about, as in my studies have definitely influenced how important I regard therapy to be because I'm studying it. Um, but I think as a as a little girl and stuff like that, yeah, it was very much like only people who are in crisis go to therapy, only people who are damaged go to therapy. And I was afraid of it. And I would hear of people who are in therapy, like you had child psychologists and obviously in the high school and stuff. And I used to think, oh, my God, what's wrong with them? You know what I mean? Like, so I was afraid of it um, because I thought it would reveal to everyone the parts of myself that I wasn't ready for them to see. As in, I was afraid that if people knew that I was in therapy, it would be, there's something wrong with Tara. She's not normal. Hmm. This was my teenage self. But I think, like I said, my studies have really influenced the fact that I'm such a huge advocate for it. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I I think... I've got some thoughts, but they're not fully formed thoughts. So okay. bear with me. And also, part of me is like, "Holy shit!" Mm. Um, I think because the way therapy, like I said, the it has it's the extremes. Yeah. That then therapy was so. Firstly, it's the extremes, and secondly, the fact that therapy was a solution 
yeah. and an answer and a fix. Yeah. So I think with the first thing, it made me so afraid of the gravity of my own situation that I felt like if I need therapy, I am fucked. Yeah. Like... I am truly the lowest I could ever be as a person mm. if I'm at a stage where I'm reaching to that. It was kind of like that's the lowest bar mm. if I have to be there because of the way that our community keeps it so taboo almost yeah. and hushed and so like like you said, shameful. And I think there was an element of like embarrassment, but not in like, oh, I'm embarrassed, but embarrassment is in genuine deep embarrassment of people knowing yeah. that it made me have a very... It made me, I scared myself and that if you, if I'm in that position, I'm not in a position to heal or to work confront on myself or, or confront. Yeah. I'm just mm. so afraid and that's going to come out in other ways. Yeah. Of course. Um, and then I think the second thing is the expectancy of this solution and this fix is why I talked about what I mentioned about firefighting that I place then because I only ever saw these things as temporary because of the way my community or at least my interactions with people in my community. Um, dealt with it that it made me see like it made me place that unfair expectation on therapy so I wasn't being intentional but I was expecting a fix yeah and when it wasn't happening or I wasn't getting it or it wasn't immediate or any of those things I reacted in a way that was like even worse or I got worse or I didn't understand and just spiraled in that way was your reaction kind of like why is this not fixing basically me? i was i literally i think i reached points and i didn't realize that i'd really reached thoughts like this but or connected that it could be because it was the unfair i know that i definitely place an unfair expectation but i can only say that in hindsight of course because yeah. i now have a much healthier desire for therapy um but i think it made me then be like if it's also not fixing it fully or if it's also not like getting me back to, well, this is the thing. I, I never felt like I was going back to a certain way of feeling. I just felt like I felt worse. So I wanted mm. to at least be a put because I did have a very large trigger in my life mm -hmm. and it was a very defining moment. Um, and I felt like therapy wasn't taking me to before that moment or like it had never happened. So for me, I was like, this doesn't work. Mm. And therefore that's, that became my perception of therapy. It was like, this doesn't work, but also it scared me to the point of if this isn't fixing or working it, how truly worse than everyone must I be? Mm. Like, it, it's so scary because I, I think I like reached a point where I basically convinced myself that like people that are like really, really not okay don't necessarily know or are aware of it. And am I one of those people? And I just, I just punished myself yeah. for it or just got so afraid of it that I didn't want to deal with it. Mm. It's so interesting that you say that as well, like the whole unfair expectation thing. I think that also makes me think, um, because there's different types of therapies. There's like mm. CBT, there's, um, I think it's called EDMR, and that's the one that um, helps you with trauma. It, For example, if, you're tr if, if a triggering object is, I'm just going to say that salt lamp over there, they'll restructure the way you see it so that you're no longer triggered when you look mm. at it. So there's different... There's different types. Obviously, we're talking about talk therapy right now. Um, it just makes me sad to hear you say that because it's like, there's so many modalities. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I don't think there's enough awareness on yeah, that. Yeah, there isn't. But like, realistically, I think therapy should be educated about as in, yeah. it shouldn't just be this thing that exists in a realm that you have to stumble upon or fall into and yeah. then be like, I need this or I want this. 
why aren't we talking about it in a sense like I wouldn't even know what kind of therapy that I would, you need, would need or ask exactly. for exactly yeah and you, it's so expensive for some people it as is. well and it like is. you don't want to it's I think with the money thing as well it just adds so much extra of like well, I don't want to waste time or I'm not going back because that one thing wasn't helpful but actually you need a few to even get comfortable with talking yeah. or all of that and it's just there's a lot of um what's it called barriers I think there's a lot of barriers yeah there's it's not it's not accessible to all definitely mm -hmm. not and it's like obviously like I said we're talking about talk therapy and it's like that's not the best option for everyone because you know how you just described how sometimes it's hard for you to talk about those things that really hurt you. Don't talk about them if yeah. it hurts. Like, <laughs> I know some people will be like, talking helps. No, not mm -hmm. if it hurts. Like, honestly speaking, I think there's, I think there's also this, this thing in, in our, especially our generation because we're woke or whatever. It's like, if you don't talk about your issues, you're fucked up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but sometimes it hurts people more. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's not um, going to do you any good. It's not going to do you good. All you're doing is re-traumatizing yourself. And because um, I was reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score. And he literally says people have been lied to about. They've been misinformed about the value of talk therapy. As in it helps you if one, you are someone who can talk about your struggles. And, and by, by the way, there's no good or wrong and right with yeah, this. Yeah. It's okay to not be able to talk about it. You know what I mean? So it's like, one, if you're not someone who can talk about these things and still feel okay, don't force yourself. Two, it works if you understand that in this, that happened to me when I was five years old, but I'm no longer five years old. I'm 25 now. I'm okay now. I'm mm. here. You have to understand that for therapy to work. And that's why I went back because I was like, I understand that I'm present, but what I need to do is to forgive and I want you to help me and even when I go back with that I'm not sitting there next to my therapist saying I know you're going to cure everything and you're going to help me forgive I'm saying please help me and let's see what happens but I don't have this unfair expectation I don't expect her to help me I'm hoping that she helps me mm -hmm. um, but I'm also doing things alongside that to help cultivate that forgiveness um, but yeah I guess it just makes me sad because I think there's so much misinformation and I think it's also been encouraged by our culture and, and like our generation and the way that we we are kind of like go to therapy if you don't go to therapy you, there's something wrong with you you're an avoidant person like it's like yeah there's there's different things that you can try that won't re-trigger you the worst thing you want to do is re-trigger yourself because you're succumbing to pressure you mm -hmm. know um Good. yeah i got nothing to add okay <laughs> um and yeah i don't know that's just yeah I don't know. And then I was also thinking, of, and also speaking of like modalities and stuff like that, um, I think one of the things that also really just fucked up my relationship with therapy when I was younger and the way that I understood it is the fact that um, there's a lot of faith-based faith interventions in our culture. So if there's something going on, if you're depressed, the, res the usual response is, okay, you should pray about it, go to church, you know, be, be like, be very kind of routine based in that like go to church often pray about it and things will be okay without understanding that some things require a psychological intervention you know what I mean and I think so I was wondering like in your culture do whether it's like faith-based or spirit-based spiritually spirituality based is there an intervention that isn't psychological intervention hmm. um I think so I think, if I've understood the question properly, um, 
I'll I'll start to talk generally about faith and mental health, I guess. I think there's with people that have a faith in my culture and like my parents are quite religious, so they they raised us with religious beliefs on yeah. their part, or at least their beliefs. Um and just being surrounded then by like a religious community. Yeah. There's there is this genuine belief in you being okay as long as you follow God or like a belief because yeah. there's the idea that you will then be protected and things will feel better and things will feel fine. Personally, I found that some things wavered that belief for me. Mm. So it's almost like I had it and then it was deconstructed. Um, I think it's quite a hard one for me to talk about because like, my relationship with religion is quite yeah, difficult. Yeah, you don't need to get into it. But I think just like broadly speaking, there is this guide, there is this like, I wouldn't say it's dealt with as as candidly as like, go pray and you'll be fine. But I do think there is a genuine belief that prayer will bring you comfort yeah. in or bring you like a meditative state yeah. or it will bring you something. And in some senses, I wish that I could reach that mm -hmm. because I would love to have something that brought me peace that like that. You like that. Exactly, that, yeah. had, that did have the effect of like, right, I will feel, I know that I will feel better if I do this or I know that, I will at least trust myself or find because I know I've heard so many people in South Asian communities talk about faith and I'm putting this in quotation marks saving them yeah 100% and like yeah what that looks like could be like it helped them reframe it helped them live their life better it helped them wake up every day better and I love that for them and I wish that I could have that yeah but I personally don't and I don't I can't see myself having it if I already have the opinion that I don't yeah see it that way if yeah. that makes sense yeah like i'm not saying i'm not open to it but i just don't see the turning point of me suddenly going this brings me peace but saying that i do find that in moments of complete darkness because this i i heard this thing about these two guys that were like climbing a mountain or something they were tethered to it they were like tied to each other and they were rock climbing or something and it was a really bad storm and they were really high up so mm -hmm. you can tell i don't know anything about geography or <laughs> science but something to do with like the cold temperatures and one of them fell but they were tethered so he was like hanging yeah. and the top one also couldn't keep going yeah but the the temperature they were there for like ages and the temperatures affected so one was going to die is this a true story yeah oh. um and basically the one at the bottom said that even in his lowest point because he didn't know if he was still tethered to the guy or if he was just stuck because he actually hit the floor um he said that even in his, he was someone that went to church. He really, really believed in religion. And he said in his lowest moments where he thought he was facing death, he never once called upon God's name. And mm. for him, when he made it through, he was like, I'm not a religious person then, even though I've devoted myself to religious practices and beliefs. Mm -hmm. I don't have the core belief there. So for me, wow. I found that in some of my darkest depressive moments, I do. You do. Okay. I do either say like prayer comforts that my parents taught me when I was a child or say like little things. I don't know how to explain. It's called moon mantad, and it's just yeah. like a little thing that literally sometimes when I'm so anxious about something, does give me a little bit of peace of like mm. I feel safe in that moment. But then I wouldn't consider myself religious either. So I think there's things that in our culture I wouldn't say religious religion is thrown as it will fix your mental health. Yeah, I don't think it's dealt with that like, like that. I think there's a genuine belief that it can bring you things like peace yeah. or um calmness or distraction but not in an unhealthy way but genuine like devotion to something and then that 
I think because you have that and you can change your mental state in that moment so you can handle and manage it better. Yeah. But I don't think that it's dealt with in a way of like, hey, if you pray, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think that it's you'll be. I mean, I'm only judging mine on the responses that I've gotten, like in my darkest moments when I have shared that I'm going through a rough time. And obviously my mother's response and my grandmother's response is not the same as my friend's response. Obviously generations change and things like that. And the way that we understand concepts like mental health really changes. So if I go to my grandmother and I say that something's wrong, the response will more than likely be, okay, let's pray about it. Mm. I don't know if in her head she's thinking this will fix it or this will anchor you and bring you peace of mind maybe and in the way ground you brings for her sorry yeah. to interrupt I was no just, but yeah. i think maybe that is her mindset maybe she's thinking this will ground you um i i don't think i understand how they think it'll bring help like it'll help you because i don't share that you know i'm not religious so maybe i don't understand it but that has been sometimes the response like if i text my mom i'm going through a hard time it's you know, God will help you, you know, God will get you through this. And I'm, and sometimes I'm like, I will get myself through this, you mm. know, like sometimes I want to respond that way, ag- almost aggressively, because I'm like, but where is my agency? I understand, though, that as you said, I think it's that whole thing of this will bring you peace of mind, this will anchor you, this will ground you, um, this will stabilize you a little bit. But I think, I think also, I'm also basing this on what I know, just based on studying. And because in a lot of um ethnic minority communities they have very they're very underrepresented in mental health services and it's because they mostly turn to faith-based interventions and those are just the stats that's that's not my opinion that's just fact um and i think and i think it's i I, like what you said i think it's really interesting what you said because it's like yes it can bring you peace of mind and yes it can anchor you and maybe yeah they're not seeing it as the solution but i genuinely think that some people do see it as a solution you know it just depends on who they are and Mm -hmm. what their beliefs are and the stigma around mental health also plays a role because it's like because I know that some people believe especially in African cultures believe that if you have mental health issues then you're cursed you know you're, you're possessed things like that like that those are genuine assumptions and I know they're not held by our generation but more so our grandmothers and all those people um but yeah, I always just find it very... So I think the logical assumption is that because you're possessed by a devil entity, mm. what will fix you is going to church. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? So it's like one plus one equals two in yeah. that way. Um, but I know that that's not everyone's understanding. I do know that. So I don't want people to listen to this and say, Tara said that religious people, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what we're saying. Um, and also we're not... Just, just a disclaimer. My experience of <laughs> my community doesn't it's just the people i was surrounded exactly. with it's not my representation of the whole community exactly we so, haven't yeah. like interviewed people yeah and exactly. like we don't we, this isn't what seeks this is what sharon's engagement with what we've been exposed yeah, to. yeah exactly yeah, yeah so i just want to put that out there i don't want anyone to especially anyone who's religious to get offended yeah. and think that we're misrepresenting their religion that's not we're saying this is what we've been yeah. exposed to and this is what we've seen but i'm also saying that i probably do not have a like i probably have a lack of understanding because I'm not within. Well, when you, know. you were saying faith-based interventions, though, something mm-hmm. clicked then, because actually there are elements of that that mm-hmm. I've never thought about in that way. Yeah. So there's little things that like people will do to be like, okay, if you, so for example, there's the um, Golden Temple and there's the water and people like almost go on a pilgrimage to, yeah. to there and like to go bathe in the water. But it's also sometimes like 
so much is there's so much suffering in your life or like you're medically ill or something people will say go and do that mm. or like and I remember being a child or even my parents probably even now doing elements of like this will they feel that this will bring me protection right and them as parents will do it so even little things like if my mom's just prayed or something and she she's got water it, it becomes like then holy water like, I don't really know it's called Amrit yeah, but I don't yeah. really know the like um, translation yeah the process behind like what that actually is but it's basically like I guess holy water is the closest translation but she will do things like like put a bit on my forehead or just mm. like ask me to to drink it and like if anything I do it for her yeah but part of me also wants to but at the same time she sees it as a form of protection so maybe the interventions that I've just seen as like comfort and protection are actually treated a little bit for some people yeah they might see them as this will help and this will yeah they believe in the solution of it because if you think about it if you don't understand because to be honest not a lot of people understand psychological disorders and and mm. the the causes and the they don't understand that this is something that requires genuine treatment, sometimes severe treatment. You know what I mean? Because it's that severe. So if you think about it, if you don't understand something, how can you understand that it needs so much more than X, Y, Z to what treat to do, it? Yeah. yeah, of course. So it's like, to some extent, I also don't blame people because there isn't there isn't awareness. There's not conversations happening. Mm. Like, I fully understand that if I wasn't in this degree, I wouldn't know as much as I know. And that kind of makes me sad because I'm like, I think that this should be stuff that we all know, mm. you know, because... It's about ourselves. It's about ourselves. Yeah. It's about human beings. And it's like, if you aren't going through it yourself, you're going to know someone who's going through it. So why not educate people on it? Why not inform people? Because if we're misinformed, then we're making irresponsible, dangerous decisions and we're probably providing people with inappropriate care and treatment, mm. you know, so... Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah. We keep reading like we keep reaching points at the end being like, okay, I'm ready for the next point now. <laughs> no, that was actually no, it's, it's the, good, yeah. That was actually the last the point. question. Okay. Um but yeah, I think yeah, that was actually the last question. But yeah, I think what I want to highlight and emphasize is the stigma around therapy. You know, we obviously talked about it just now as yeah. well is I think obviously I did say before the misconception is that if you're in therapy you're in crisis. There's statistics that show that um, this is for married couples, that most married couples go to couples therapy seven years too late. And at that point, it's it's right. too late. Yeah. yeah, It's like going into um, a hospital and you've got a broken leg and it's been broken for a year and you're like, please help. And they're like, well, if you came on the day, I could have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think I really just want to, I want that stigma to be eradicated. And also your point, and it's not just about couples therapy, but obviously even just individual therapy. The assumption is that there's something, you're fucked up, you're damaged if you go to therapy. A lot of healthy people, very happy people are in therapy regularly. And Also, it, you're not yeah, you're not damaged. Everyone's going to, it's a life you're living. Do you know how hard life is? <laughs> you're going to go I, through something at all points. I've never met anyone that hasn't been go. Mm -hmm. well, maybe one person who's just fine. But, really? <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Um just generally fine with everything them. all good oh yeah <laughs> content um but so they say <laughs> but you're yeah you, it doesn't have to be that i can be happy and still go to therapy or i can be distraught and go to therapy it's just therapy is a resource mm -hmm. just like anything else at some point in your life you are going to need x resource you're going to need y resource yeah. you're going to like therapy is an option there as well and 
my thing to say is just like I have so much admiration and I'm so proud of anyone that does go to therapy and I'm even more proud for people that spend so much intention and time thinking about what it is they want from it and mm -hmm. I would I'd not recommend as in like I'm a pro on therapy as in if you can just have a think really about what it is that you're wanting therapy for because yeah. personally I went about it the wrong way for myself mm. at that moment mm. or maybe at that moment that's what I needed but that's not what I need now yeah like don't just assume it's one relationship with therapy that you've got yeah the There's way different life I think that's seasons. a good point as well like the way you process things at 25 years old you're going to process them differently at 35 so yeah. it's always about restructuring your relationship with it and, and your intentions with it and it's like as you grow and evolve your relationship with therapy and other resources will grow and evolve yeah and um, i know i know people that have had so like sorry two things yeah one i know loads of people that think their thing is too small to take to therapy. yeah 100 percent. and it's like actually if your desire is to talk or to interrogate something about yourself Process. nothing is too small yeah yeah. You, it could be the smallest thing, but the point is that is what is important to you mm -hmm. and that's what you want to work on and you don't know how deep that goes. And I'm not saying therapy is going to be this massive, um, open, like uh, epiphany moment for everyone. It's not. It, but it, you needed it because you needed it, not because you need to think like, I'm, you're paying for it as well yeah. in this country. So like, go and do it eat, no matter how big or small. But I also want to say, it's fine if it takes you a year to just, build yourself up to go to therapy like yeah. I've been trying to get myself to go for at least six months now I but also, I'm also like when I'm ready I will do it yeah I and think that's fine I think that it's okay if it takes you a long time it's okay if you spend years trying to go I think that's it's fine scary. I mean I I say like my relationship with it is my unique relationship with it but I don't think anyone should ever feel pressure and be like I feel like I should go and I'm not just ready. If you're not ready, please don't go. Because as I said, it just serves to re-traumatize you. And also, I think everyone should go to therapy with the understanding that it will more likely, more than likely bring things to the surface. Mm -hmm. So I think you also have to sit with yourself and go, am I ready for things to be brought to the surface? Because in order for your therapist to help you, they have to understand you. In order for them to understand you, they have to talk to you. They have to ask you questions about your past and your present. And, and they have... To, they do have to get in your head. Mm -hmm. And if you're not ready for things that you haven't maybe talked about in several years to become resurfaced, then maybe think about, okay, maybe I'm not really ready to go. You have to make peace with the fact that for several days after therapy, you might not be okay. You might be very anxious. You might be very bothered. And it's like, I think that the consequences of going to therapy should also be understood, not just the intention, but also the consequences. And that goes back to understand, like, these unfair expectations of it'll fix everything. For some people, yes, it does fix everything. So let's say that as well. But before it does, it's going to break your heart and it's going to hurt you before it fixes you or helps you or whatever it is you want from it. It's going to be, it's going to hurt before it gets better. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think some, because I was talking about my experience and I was telling one of my friends, I was like, this is really hard. And she was just like, well, yeah, like it kind of has to be, yeah. you know? And I was like, yeah, it definitely has to be. And then I was talking to someone else who was surprised that it was hard. And I was like, it will be, it will be, it will definitely be hard because these are things that I'm having, I'm having to face myself. It's, it's a mirror. It's forcing me to look in the mirror and I can't look away because this is a one hour session. I've paid for it. Mm. Someone's investing their time. And if you go there to just not speak, then, then that's why I say I think more than anything, 
people need to sit with themselves and be like, am I ready for this? Because this is a process. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It is a journey and it is a whole thing, a whole process. And it's like, am I ready to go through the motions? Am I ready to go through all the seasons? Am I ready to be uncomfortable? And it's like, so to go there and be like, I'm going to have this session, I'm going to talk, and then I'm going to feel better. That that expectation should also just be eradicated because you will feel worse before you, yeah. more than likely you'll feel worse before you feel better. And if you're not ready, it's really helped me to figure out why. So that mm. I, I, personally, I just, I like having an answer for myself. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time then being like, what if I'm scared? If I'm not ready, it's because I'm scared. Okay, what am I actually scared about? Not just I'm scared of therapy. That's ridiculous. I can't just be scared of something. Yeah. What is it specifically? What's the pinpoint exact moment? Because once I've got that, I can prepare mm. myself. I can't just prepare myself by going, I'm not ready. Okay, someday I'll be ready. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to work that out. So like, f- yeah, that worked for me. So I mm. guess if anyone wants to just It's work. And, it. and what you just said, that goes back to this, this idea. Like, you don't change because you've decided to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. As in, you don't just go, I'm going to change. I'm you a dick. Ha- I'm going to be You a have to person. put in the work. You don't, like, you don't, for example, if you want to have, if you want to be more comfortable in your body and you want to start, you want to have a certain type of body or whatever it is, you don't just wake up and then it just happens. You have to go to the gym. You have to invest. You have to do whatever you need to do. So it's the same thing. Like, yeah. you can't just be like, I'm scared. Okay, cool. Stop being scared. Yeah. You have to put in the work. Do you know what I mean? To kind of whether that's, I hate this, but journaling or talking to a friend or I oh, I hate journaling. Um, no, I, know, I know what you mean though. Yeah. But yeah, you have to put in the work. You don't just decide to, something doesn't change just because you decided it's going to change. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Agreed. Um, cool. In terms of the like the rants and the check yourselves, I think me and Tara had a quick chat and we want to do those maybe more in response to the actual topic because mm. it's a way to kind of reflect on a topic a little bit differently. So, in relation to today's conversation, any rants? Mm, I think, like I said, the I think the stigma thing is a is a huge is a huge thing that really bothers me. And I think because it's all around, because I think everyone says it. I I think though, my rant is going to be different. I think my rant is going to be pressure put on people to go to therapy and to talk about their problems. And I'm very aware of the fact that I might have contributed to this pressure just because I very much talk openly about the fact that I have a good relationship, not even good, just I'm an advocate for therapy and things like that. And I understand how that can make someone feel like, is there something wrong with me or whatever it is? Um, So I definitely am taking accountability for my own actions and how I might have contributed to that feeling of making someone feel pressured to do something and then possibly doing it before they're even ready and then the consequences of that are detrimental. Um, so that would probably be my rant. And I think it's everywhere. It's especially if you're on social media like Instagram. Therapists are everywhere. And they're mm. all telling you to come see them. And they're all telling you about better help. And um, and I think I would also like a bit more censorship around posts associated with trauma and therapy. Because I think not everyone wants to see that all the time. And like, once again, this is where I'm taking accountability because I know I tend to share that a lot and the truth is that it's okay if you're not ready to face something or talk about it but I think you can feel pressured to in the day and age that we're in it's a good thing that therapy is cool but then on the other hand it's like as I said you don't want to force people to talk about something and then they just re-traumatize themselves they're not ready um 
So I think we just need a bit more censorship. I think we also need to cultivate a lot of compassion and patience, not only for other people, but for ourselves. Um, this is definitely longer than a minute. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, yeah, that's my rant, I think. I didn't mean to genuinely cut you off there. No, that was, that was done though. But yeah. Okay. Mine is just anyone, any genuinely going to use this word, any absolute fucking asshole that puts people down for going to therapy. Oh, yeah. Just like that's someone working on themselves and doing something that's I've incredibly different. I've never met someone who... I have. Just really? like Just people that contribute to the the perception that therapy then... Do they say things? Yeah. Like, I, I just don't have any time for it because I'm like, that's weird. and what? Like, that's so weird. they are working on themselves. Good on them. They exactly. could be a horrible person and I'm still proud of them for going to therapy. Like, it's you, just because you suddenly dislike someone doesn't mean that you can't still be a decent human being about it and just if you are I just think it's really low to genuinely judge people for going to therapy or to put them down but then also we've all done that at some point I'm sure we've had a moment where we've been like oh they've gone to therapy or like had an unconscious thought about it or bias or whatever programming but I just think if you're deliberately maliciously like being a twat about someone going to therapy I just have no time for you that's yeah that's definitely yeah (laughs) terms of checking yourself it'll be mixed in with my rant about um because as i said i talk really openly about how i'm someone who doesn't like distracting or avoiding but i know how that can in turn sound like i'm saying people who are distracting or avoiding what's wrong you know it can villainize them so that will be my check your what it's me <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I do that you're talking about me <laughs> well I'm not directing this at I you know. obviously but no I think genuinely um and I don't if people are like no you're not doing anything wrong please like I don't like when this should have been my right I hate when people are holding themselves accountable and people are like it's okay it's okay I've just let them um but yeah, I think it can serve to villainize people or at least make them feel bad or at least make them feel just not proud of themselves. And the reality is that life is really hard. Every single day we wake up and we do hard things, you know, and it's not easy, especially if you're someone who struggles with some mental health difficulties. It's already difficult. So I think the fact that you got through the day like Good. I'm I'm proud of you for that you, not you but yeah I'm I am oh, proud thanks, of Tara. you but um so I think I'm going to check myself and stop wearing that as some sort of badge or just at least I mean even when I talk about it I know what my intentions but I also know what the impact could be okay. and I think that I want to hold myself accountable and hold myself to a higher standard as well like yes it's okay to talk about the things you're proud of when it comes to yeah like things you're most proud of yourself but it's also okay to lead with empathy and consideration Mm -hmm. and think about how that might make someone else feel Mm -hmm. and I don't think it means that you you know are constantly thinking about other people and never thinking about yourself I think it just makes you someone who is aware of the environment around you and who Mm -hmm. is aware that you're not the main character in the story so yeah Mine's a lot shorter, just because I don't really want to go into it. But yeah. I think I just want to be careful about how I speak, like the language I use, because obviously some things actually mean things mm. to do with therapy or like they are real processes that mm. you're just, I don't want to disrespect like that 
psychology and therapy is something that people study and like put so much into and it's they are real things Mm. so you can't you shouldn't just really casually throw things around like you know I'm therapizing this situation or like that that means something yeah they use it a lot in sex education and obviously and what's his name Otis and obviously he's not trained and his mom and him would always be like like yeah they at school they would be like Otis you're therapizing me I'm like I hated it because I know what it means (laughs) yeah I was like I hate it that's what I mean just being a little bit more like just comes from a lack of awareness because I've never studied anything but actually it's a thing and mm-hmm. it it, it, it car- basically words Carries carry weight, weight. Yeah. so I just want to be careful on that and not give any impressions or belittle or minimize anything mm, for people the as process well. yeah what are you grateful for I am grateful for my therapist because I I don't I think I felt immediately held I felt immediately seen um my support language is is very much she just knew it and it was it was nice. obviously it's because she's trained but um but she knew how to write ask the right questions she knew when to tell me to take a minute for myself she even at some moments was like I want you to slow down I know you're I know you're comfortable talking about your pain but I want you to slow down and that I'm just grateful for someone who just I'm grateful to have found, to have found a good therapist because that's not easy either. Yeah. That's something we didn't touch on, but that's really hard to Harder find than a dating. Good, yeah, it's almost like dating. Yeah. You really have to go through it. Um, so I'm grateful to have found her because we just really clicked, and I'm excited for the next session because I know that she's going to hold space for me so well. Um, and I love her process. I'm grateful for her process. So yeah, amazing. I'm also grateful on your behalf for that. Thank you. That's really nice. <laughs> what are you grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for just having people in my life like yourself and others that I can talk about therapy with like mm-hmm. because so many people get uncomfortable about it and I'm yeah. but also talk about it in a sense of like this is me and me framing it this way and nobody imposes that, like at no point have you gone Sharon you maybe should go to therapy or like <laughs> do you know what I mean imagine if I said that <laughs> Do people say that? Well, I don't know. Well, I'm glad I don't have people that, yeah. or I don't at least anymore. But like, I'm just really thankful and grateful for people that make space for that conversation. Because also, I don't want to, uh, not me specifically, but also just as people, I don't want to be ab- abusing friendship as a form of therapy. Yeah, either, that's something that which is a different really conversation. Important. Yeah, yeah. But like, I appreciate that, and I'm grateful for the conversations that people do have that I. I'm not treating as subsidizing therapy. Like I don't need therapy because I've got my friends. No, not yeah. at all. Not People at all. actually think that. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And like, I'm just grateful that I can just even have a conversation about all of this. Even if I don't want to do anything with it, I've still been able to put it somewhere. Put it somewhere and that's, yeah. it's amazing that like people in my life are willing to talk and address those things. And I've had conversations with friends about their attitude towards therapy. Mm. And it's just nice that people can, can sit and talk about something like that yeah and I think you just rem- sorry this is another thing I'm grateful for. um like I said earlier I'm grateful for people who when I'm when I announced that not announced but when I said that me and Eugene were in therapy I'm grateful to we have cultivated a community of people who are like that is so cool mm. rather than is everything okay do you mm. know what I mean like I'm Whoa. grateful <laughs> yeah I'm grateful for people who are like that is so inspiring that is so cool you you had the same response you were like that is so cool you even said you were so proud of us um because I know that there's people, because I think to be honest, to go through therapy, you have also have to have support. Mm. People who are like, 
that is really I'm so proud of you for doing that you don't want to reinforce things like that for us maybe come from cultural yeah. aspects like shame or yeah. feeling like you need to I know a lot of people that hide that go to therapy in, yeah. or like they're like I can't put it in my account and it's like mate I'm going to therapy everyone knows I'm this I'm going to lead with like, hi I'm in therapy um <laughs> but even because even when I announced that I was back in there, why do I keep saying announce? Even when I said that I was back in therapy, a lot of my friends texted me and were just like, you know, I'm so proud of you for doing this work. I'm so, just so ha- just really holding space for me and supporting me and be like, you know, whatever you need, True text me. Yeah. And just being like, if if you ever want to reflect on it, just text me and we'll talk. And I was I was just sitting there. I think it was like on Friday. And I was like, like, damn. I'm so happy for this community, you know? Um, but Lovely. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having this conversation. Oh, of course. Thank you for having this conversation. Uh, but yeah, I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify and wherever you listen to catch us fortnightly. Also, please support us to keep the show going and growing. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash onegreatick where you can make a one-off donation or become a member where you will be one of our closest friends, dosto or Zala, who will be the first to know and first invited to any special treats we have up our sleeve. The link is in the show notes too. Follow us on Instagram at Twitter at OneGreatTick and check out our website onegreatickpodcast.co.uk. We would love to hear from you so feel free to contact us and please spread the word. Spread the word, not germs. <laughs>